For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, fellow Volt Hunters. I'm J. Michael Tatum, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Hello, and welcome to The Geek Show. We've been away for a little while. That's because I had to keep Rob in the dungeon because he'd been saying horrible things about stuff. So I had to deprive him of food for a month. But he's back now. I've let him out. He's allowed to see day- Daylight again, so... Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I've had far too much Daylight, I'll have you know. <laughs> I've got a really powerful light on. It's like uh, lights that you get in a <laughs> in a salon, in uh, a tanning salon. <laughs> Are you saying I got a really good tan? <laughs> yeah, in, in the in the dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a horrible man. Oh, so yeah. Uh, welcome to the Geek Show. Are you not got a pseudonym this week? Um, <clears throat> I, I I think I do have a pseudonym, but I don't know whether it'd be classed as racist or not. <laughs> if you've got to ask that question, usually the answer is yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's the kind of classic conceit where someone says, I'm not racist, but... Oh, considering where I've just come back from, uh, I suddenly thought, I know, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the finest duck herder in all of the Indian subcontinent. I can That's turn. not racist. Ducks aren't racist. You can't be racist when you're talking about ducks. Ducks are just the best creature. Ducks are God's creatures. Uh, but yeah. Um, I, 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 and, I, and listeners, go to your local duck pond if you're listening to this while you're out and about. Go to your local duck pond and just stare into the face of the nearest duck. And you tell me that that's not the face of God. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think considering that I've been away for three weeks and I've been roasting for all that time, uh, I will basically be for this entire show sweaty McSweat face. Now you've really put some thought into that, haven't you? <laughs> what? It's either that or <laughs> I am the feast for the mosquitoes. I'll call you Sweaty Jessops. That's your name. Sweaty Jessops. Yeah. I used sell- to work for the printer shop, but I, I was going to say he got, I sell- fired, he got fired for being too sweaty. I sell cameras. Oh, was it cameras? Yes. Yeah. And people thought you were being creepy, but you were just sweaty Jessup, that's who you are. God, one hour photo would have been a very different movie if <laughs> Robert Williams' character was called Sweaty Jessup. Yeah, he would, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> who knows what would have become of that movie. Oh, terrifying as it was, something else that's also terrifying, terrifyingly bad, terrifyingly awful, and my God, who decided this? Sonic the Hedgehog. The trailer for the movie came out, Rob. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to judge what the movie's going to be like because uh, it's got a, a writer who I like, Josh Miller. I mean, the story might still be pretty decent for what is a video game adaptation of something which should never be a movie. However, <laughs> we've all seen what it looks like. Apparently, after the reaction to the trailer, the director has said there's going to be a redesign for the character. Oh, good, because that sort of design looked like if you woke up in the middle of the night, you'd expect it to be sniffing the toilet bowl. <laughs> I mean, do you remember Teen Wolf, the original Michael J. Fox one, where it had the very mm. child-friendly version of te- uh, uh, of uh, werewolves? 
Oh, yeah, it was just basically like Michael J. Fox, but furry. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, only worse. So are you suggesting you would rather have somebody who's head the toy in, like, Blue Fur play Sonic in a movie? Yes. Than whatever that is? Yes. Yeah, I think my problem really is the fact that it reminded me that, um, what's he called now? He was going to be playing Dr. Robotnik. Oh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, it reminded me he's a thing. Well, I mean, there were several things I didn't understand about the trailer. Number one was Sonic, the design. And I think they took the design from something like Sonic Boom, that game or whatever it was, where they gave him really long limbs and you're like, he's a hedgehog. Yeah, I mean, it made me think of Ghoulies, uh, a Chud. Yeah. Uh, something, like one of these rip-off creature features from the Gremlins in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, number two was Jim Carrey as Robotnik, or Eggman, or whatever you want to call him. Didn't understand that. And number three was Gangster's Paradise. Yes. <laughs> really catching these, you know, cultural things at the peak of their popularity, aren't they? I mean, Sonic is so popular these days. And yes, fans, I know you're still fans. Jim Carrey, he's so beloved now, isn't he? He's not totally insane or anything. And and Gangster's Paradise. Really? <laughs> exactly. Is this movie being made by someone's embarrassing uncle? I mean, the only thing that could be worse than Gangster's Paradise right now is probably I Believe I Can Fly. All those Space Jam fans. <laughs> Sorry. I can't stand Who like Space Jam? Well, all, well, Al Kelly is not a nice person. <laughs> yeah, he, he kicked up a fuss in a TV um, discussion program chat show, didn't he? Yeah, yes, he did. But yeah, it's just oh my god! I mean, uh, it's like they looked at they they heard oh, there's going to be a live action Pokemon movie. We need to do something for Sonic. Well, the thing about that is, I, I really like what they're doing with the Pokemon movie. Yeah. I mean, the Pokemon fans are purists about it. That's fine. But in the Pokemon movies, it's kind of like Pokemon, 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 Pokemon. The focus is the Pokemon, where everything else is secondary, so it can't really tell a story other than Pokemon, 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 Pokemon. Yeah. Whereas the new one, it's like Pokemon have become so normalized that they actually exist in a normal world. So the Pokemon are secondary. They're just characters in this world, so it can actually tell a better story. Now, whether the movie is good or not remains to be seen. Yeah. But the world that it's setting is much more compelling than the Pokemon movies are. Yeah. But um, the actual design of the Pokemon the in the live-action, po- in the Detective Pikachu movie, I should say, the design of the Pokemon, they've basically gone for the cartoonish design, but if it was, like, real-ish? Yeah. I mean, I, I like the design. I like what the, the world represents in that thing, but yeah. the movie is what... The story and the characters, that's what it remains to be seen yeah. so far. But the Sonic design? <sighs> that just seems like sort of 76-year-old studio executives thinking they know what's it. There's the kids like the video games, yeah. Um, Sonic and, and, and what's the other one? Barrio? Yeah, Barrio. We like Barrio here. <laughs> Barrio and his brother Gario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not Italian brothers, there. They're You're, from the West End of London. I was going to say, they're the West End plumbers. That'd be a very different... Well, no, it wouldn't be a very different game, would it? No. It wouldn't be, hey, it's me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do... No, no, it'd, it'd, it'd be, it wouldn't be Super Mario Brothers, it'd be Super Cockney Hardman Brothers. Yeah, yeah. 
But anyway, the point is, the, 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 Sonic tra- the Sonic trailer just looks like absolute swell in yeah. every sort of level. Yeah. Um, speaking I mean, which is a shame, because looking at last year, it had the Tomb Raider movie, and I thought that was genuinely a really fun knockabout action movie. Well, it was. I mean, uh, but then again, Tomb Raider is one of those movies where they've tried it twice before, and it was slightly camp with Angelina Jolie playing the lead role, and so they kind of got all that campness out of their system, and Thought, okay, we're going to do something a bit more, you know, uh, a bit more action oriented, a bit more, uh, a bit grounded. more grounded. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of swill, Facebook. Yeah. Right. Facebook have finally invited journalists to see their new war room, as they're calling it. Now, this war room is basically an area that allows the social media giant to um to combat various things this is the european war room it's and one of the things they want to combat is election interference as the european election european union elections uh begin on may the 20th so they invited journalists into the war room right yeah only problem is they wouldn't let the journalists ask the workers in the war room questions you see, I had a weird image, and you've completely destroyed that image because he had a, a sort of X Men style Professor Xavier in his super powered psycho telekinetic room. You know the one. Yeah, you're on about Cerebro. Got, yeah, oh, that's it. I was, yeah. And then it was on the tip of my tongue. It's Mark Zuckerberg stuck in Cerebro. It kind of is, though. This is the thing. It's oh, is ca- it really? It, it kind of is Mark Zuckerberg in Cerebro telling everyone not to touch anything because. They invited more than a dozen journalists to the Dublin War Room at the heart of Facebook's efforts to protect European elections and to show off the resources that Facebook is pouring into protecting the continent-wide vote. But... Yeah, <laughs> they don't care. They just care because they got caught. Yeah, they, they only care because they got caught. But the thing is, until the 23rd of May and for several days after, about 40 people will be hunched over screens around the clock monitoring the shifting pace of online conversation looking for signs of manipulation, fake news, or hate speech. They are backed up by a global network, including threat intelligence experts, data scientists, researchers, and engineers. Right? I don't know what all American companies do and just use NSA. Very political. It is. But the thing is, um, some journalists have said Facebook is trying to do something useful for a change, which, okay, maybe they are, but only because they got caught. And mm. On the other hand, Facebook is doing stuff... That's kind of devious as well. Yeah, it's it's really sending a mixed message because they got caught with that Cambridge Analytica thing, so people are very wary of what role that Facebook is having with their information. Mm. And now they've got some sort of room, fascist room, where people watch your statements and make sure you subscribe to the right. I mean, fascists can be positive and negative, you know. It's still just subscribe to my ideal or else. That's... Yeah, a big facet of fascism. That is and... that is a big thing, and here's the, here's the big problem, right? It has actually come to light that where Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg have been saying, you know, your private conversations will be private, they're not as private as people think because thir- uh, Facebook has been opening up certain people's private conversations to third parties. <sighs> Why have I still got a Facebook account? I don't know. When you Just... add that to the fact that Facebook's secretive payment system that involves cryptocurrency is 
It's codenamed Project Libra, and it is reportedly getting even closer to becoming a reality. What do you think is going to happen? It's, I mean, our Facebook, for our Facebook, all the social medias have like a finite lifetime, and then they just sort of went down the swanny, down the toilet, that is. Um, the thing about Facebook is it keeps on doing these things where it says, oh, we're in touch with people, we're sorting out things, we're getting rid of all the corruption, we're getting rid of all these algorithms that benefit people who are baddens. Yeah. But in doing so, they're doing really, really morally duplicitous things that they really shouldn't be doing for a company of their size. Well, this is the thing. Cryptocurrency, right? Cryptocurrency is one of those things that uh, a lot of people didn't get into, a lot of normal people didn't get into, but the people in the, the people who thought they were in the know, the tech-savvy ones, they got into it in a big way. And it became a big thing, but it also became a black market thing. Now, Facebook wants its own Facebook coin or whatever it they're going to call it, you know. Um, but here's the thing. Facebook has enough people to basically be its own country. It has its own rules and regulations. It has its own uh, security now. It has its own oversight. It has its own war room. And now it's going to have its own currency. Yeah. I think we, we need to find a different way of talking. Not, I don't like using Facebook. I'm becoming really uneasy about what they're doing. Yeah. It's the classic conceit, isn't it, that has happened in so many like sci-fi novels or whatever, that a company becomes so big, that it becomes so rude, divorced from reality. Well, they it... do things that are incredibly dishonest, thinking that it's people, it's what people want. Wasn't that the whole basis of Deus Ex: Human Revolution? Is that I'm not sure, but probably. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was in the trailer for the for the game when uh, for the Deus Ex game on the PS3. Corporations control the government. <laughs> well, that was hardly a revolution, was it? It was hardly a revolution, revolution but I mean, Facebook is basically becoming... A, I, mean, I I wonder how long it'll be until we have King Zuckerberg. I mean, there was a gag in a TV show a while ago. Um, it was called Time Trumpet. And the gag was that in the year, whatever, 2034, let's say, Tesco became sentient and declared war on Denmark. And what? <laughs> it's like a big giant spider robot that was Tesco. <laughs> a robot on war on Denmark. <laughs> I get the feeling that Tesco is going down that sort of slightly insane path. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Leaving Facebook to one side. Uh, Microsoft, right? Do you remember the Microsoft paperclip? Oh, it says, hi there, I see you trying to take over the world. You want some help? Well, do you know? Do you remember how helpful the Microsoft paperclip was in actuality? Well, for people who had like sort of limited grasp of Microsoft and Windows and all of its apps, and uh, yeah, it was pretty helpful. But for everybody else, it was kind of like obvious what it was asking you to do or telling you to do. Yeah. Well, one of the things about the Microsoft paperclip was that it was mainly found in Word at the beginning, wasn't it? And yeah. it was supposed to help you with your spell checking, your grammar, stuff like that. But Microsoft have moved on a lot since then. And Microsoft Word now, Microsoft are now developing a new artificial intelligence for Microsoft Word. And it's called Ideas. And guess what Ideas does? What does Ideas do? Well, Microsoft Word's artificial intelligence will suggest rewrites for clunky sentences as well as changes to make sure language is gender inclusive. Language is gender inclusive? Yep. And this that doesn't is... really exist in the English language. I mean, I know in Spanish there's male and female verbs, and in French there is too. Yeah, but in English, 
there's like flat, that's it. It's one size fits all. Um, yeah. The thing is, this is be this is something a step beyond um you know fixing grammar and punctuation and spelling. This is actual dad in the wall. I'm going to do your thinking for you. I mean, there's an app that's on Chrome. I don't like Chrome, but there's an app on there which I just use to sort of shore up any mistakes that I might have done. It's called Grammarly. You'd have seen yeah. the adverts on YouTube pushed down your throat like yeah, you won't believe. That's sort of passive, passive help. You know. Yeah. That's what people want. People don't want to be like um, molly cuddled. Not I like to think people aren't. Anyway, it's kind of wally like, isn't it? It is. I mean, it literally is. Uh, in a blog post to explain the changes, because right, the change, the test version of the ideas is going to go live in June, and then it'll become more widely available in the autumn. But in a blog post, Microsoft have said writing requires a dash of uniquely human creativity. Artificial intelligence alone cannot do it for us at least not very well. But AI can, and already is, helping us do things like make sure we spell words correctly and use correct grammar. As the AI in these products is becoming more sophisticated, they are helping us do more than spot a misspelled word. So how long... Again, again Grammarly does that. Yeah. Grammarly makes, like, if you've got clunky phrasing, it just fixes it. The, my my main problem with this sort of stuff is because is that ultimately it is a crutch Okay, people will just use a keyboard and type away without thinking and then rely on technology to fix all the mistakes. And then, you know, they might win, I don't know, the book, uh, the man book. And the Price. thing is, this is like autofocus on a camera. Yeah, it removes the art from the, uh, it removes the artistry and the skill from the actual piece. It's yeah. basically, you reduce it down to writing by numbers. Yeah, I'm. I'm really glad that I use Libra Office, the like open source office. Yeah, it, it it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, <sighs> most people don't care though. If you've got clunky, I mean, in like job applications, maybe in official emails, maybe, but you're in a position there where you have to learn, and if you don't learn, you're just writing a more basic rhythm. Yeah, but once you've got past those humps, or you're outside of those humps, most people just genuinely just write whatever and then post. It doesn't. They don't really care whether it's grammatically correct or not. Yeah. Just as long as it communicates what they're trying to say, and the people who need this, who write that much to validate needing something to help, will get better than more and more the right. So really, this is sort of like a massive change for a very limited audience. Yeah. Because the thing about this is, it's kind of a flawed concept. Because the more you write, the better you get. And the better you get, the less you need this. And if you're writing enough to need this, you'll be writing a lot. Yep. So it's kind of remaking itself redundant. Because if you're writing it, a lot, you've got to get it'll point out the things that It'll point out the things that you don't know. It'll point out your own mistakes. Once you can see what your mistakes are, Yeah. it's basically made itself pointless. Because you'll learn from your mistakes and get better. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I don't understand. I mean... <sighs> Yeah, it, it, you know that anything to do with writing is a pet peeve of mine when it makes it far too easy for people. Hmm. we got some more upbeat stories. It's been pretty downbeat so far. Robots. Last could go either way. Well, okay. <laughs> um, there's, a guy in, uh, uh, there's a guy in America called Ruben Brewer, right? And he is uh, developing a new police robot for SRI International uh, and in the company's Applied Technologies and Science Department. And this robot is a rather bizarre-looking contraption. Um, you know those uh, 
you know those remote presence devices where you basically, you could be sitting in your room and you basically have a robot that has your face on a tablet at the top and you communicate through the robot and stuff like that, but you don't have actually have to be in the room talking to these people, yeah? I got the concept, yeah. Now, imagine one of those mounted on the side of a police car during a traffic stop, and then it extends out after you pull the car over and goes to the window where the police officer in America would usually go, taps on the window and says, could I see your license, please? The police officer is safe in his car, and the robot is basically, you know, the perpetrator or whatever, the person who's been pulled over can basically get their license, show the police officer, everything like that. The whole point is it's designed to try and minimise injuries and deaths during traffic stops, which is a nice thing, except for one thing. There is a better way of reducing injuries and deaths during traffic stops, and that is better gun laws in America. Yeah, and stop hiring insane people on your police force. Yeah. Who shoot first and ask questions later. I mean, I, this, I, this, this story could get very political very quickly, so I'll cut that yeah. sort of side of it pretty quickly. No, no, I'm just wondering how long it's going to be until they mount like Uzis on this robot. Well, you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous, really, isn't it? It's another thing where it's like, yeah, why bother with the effort? Just get a robot to do the effort for us. Yep. Oh, but anyway, we're going to leave that there. We're going to go into the world of, uh, well, we're going to go into the world of body sculpting we're talking like fitness and the ultimate physique that sort of thing and two very different but extremely similar stories appeared in front of me landed right in front of me side by side and they're both as odd as each other because they're both basically the same but on different sides of the world right researchers at the university of miami's leonard m miller school of medicine have developed a new plastic surgery technique called abdominal etching that can reshape belly fat to make you look like you spend all your time at the gym, but you're still fat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you could have a six-pack of flab. That's just horrifying. <laughs> I know. It's just like wearing one of those muscle t-shirts, isn't it? Yes, but it gets even better because at the appropriately named Masterpiece Hospital in Bangkok, Thailand... They are already offering a plastic surgery procedure that gives patients instant six-pack abs. <laughs> I always found six-packs ugly, to be honest. Too, too many bumps. Yeah. Too weird looking. I'm, the whole point of the Masterpiece Hospital's technique, surgeons at Masterpiece Hospital perform a procedure called abdominal etching as well, which is why I said they're exactly the same but different sides of the world. They remove some of the fat on your abdomen to make that hidden six-pack visible. There are no plastic or silicon implants involved, just some ab-focused liposuction, which is basically the same technique that's being that's being touted by researchers at the University of Miami's Leonard M. Miller School of Medicine. So that led me to ask the question, who came up with this technique first then? Was it the people in Bangkok at the at the Masterpiece Hospital, or was it actually the Americans? But the Americans yeah. have actually done proper research, whereas the where the Masterpiece Hospital in Bangkok has actually done the procedures. Yeah, maybe there's a collaboration there. Possibly. You never know. It, it's, it's such an odd thing, though, because if you don't earn it, you're not going to keep it. No, this is true. And that's the thing that I don't understand. I mean, I, they've got a picture here of 
the six pack, and it looks horrible. It really... I imagine it looks very plastic and sweaty. It looks awful. It looks so bad. Yeah, because you're not earning it. If you're not putting in the hard work, you've got no sort of... The whole point of like going to the gym, for me anyway, is you change your lifestyle, you're more active, yep. and you feel better about yourself, and your body looking better is just sort of a nice side effect of that. Yep. But to do something which takes out all of the effort... Yep. ...and, well, makes you look like... So, no, that's just creepy. <laughs> It looks like the bottom side of some kind of insect, doesn't it? Well, the picture on the right looks like some sort of sad aardvark. That's <laughs> 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 um, what a man's stomach looks like. Um, Asian gentleman's stomach. It looks like a sad aardvark. <laughs> and the one on the right, you know, in the cartoons where um, basically we breathe in and you get like a super... Yes. Six pack. Yes. And you breathe out. And they... that's, that's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. Basically, looks what what it looks like. Even if it is the same person, because the skin tone is different between pictures. It's <laughs> like in one picture, he's really breathing in hard, breathing in so hard it makes his nipples change shape. <laughs> <laughs> and then once the beautiful woman's passed, he lets go, and it just looks like a sad advark again. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> it, it it just doesn't look real. You know, if people saw you rocking that, like with any sense of pride, they'd say, "What's happened to you?" You know, they wouldn't think it was a genuine six pack because it just looks uncanny. Yep. And they'd be miss. They say, "Where's Sad Advark?" And we miss Sad Advark. Yes. Um, anyway, <laughs> it really does look like a Sad Advark, though. I can't stop. I've I've had to take the picture away because I keep seeing Sad Advark now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, as you probably guessed, this is where we head into the the slightly odder side of technology and science. And there is a new online service. Right, there's always a new online service for something. And this is just basically this goes to show just how particularly lazy people are. Right, there's an online platform and service called called Wistand. W i s t a n d. And it's an online platform that allows people to hire proxies to do a particular activity on their behalf anytime, anywhere. So far, so reasonable. Okay. Do you do you want to know what the particular activity is? I feel like no, but considering it's a point of being here, I have to say yes. Protesting. Um, what? <laughs> there is an online service that will allow you to hire somebody to go and protest in your place. You may as well just have that robot from the police story do it for you. Because <laughs> the whole point of a protest is to be somewhere to show you are dissatisfied with something. Yeah, and apparently you can get involved and support the causes you care about. So I want to support the cause, but it's all the way over there. <laughs> robot, you go over there and do it for me. Because <sighs> I mean, you can't pass on your passion about something to a proxy, whether it's a robot, whether it's an actor... I can't see this being popular, to be honest. Well, it's only available in one country so far. What country is that? You'll never guess. Turkmenistan. No. I'm not going to try because I'm just going to go of obscure countries. No, no, no. It's a country that's had regular protests over the last uh, for quite for several months now. What, us? No. England? No, no, no. But you're close. Ireland? Nope. Still close though. Wales? Still close. Scotland? It's not a UK country. 
Iceland. Going in the other direction. Spain. Now you're too far south. France. Yes. <laughs> Got there in the end. <laughs> yeah. By way of Iceland and Spain. Well, yeah. Yeah. I I can kind of understand, given that they've had the Yellow Vest protests, which have been going on for like six months, and people are kind of getting tired of going out and protesting. It's like, oh, Dad, do we have to go and protest again? Well, that's just... It's kind of very telling of the world we live in that people get sick of doing something over and over again. You know, that you need to protest, you get sick of protesting. Yeah. I mean, you, you look back about, what, two or three years and protesting was like, why bother protesting? I'll just click OK on a internet petition. That's OK. That's me doing something. And I generally respect the hell out of that, um, that uh, what to call it? Can't think of the word of them. Extinction Rebellion group. Yeah. I respect the hell out of them. Yeah, they're going to annoy people um, by making a mess and blocking roads and making it difficult for people to get places. But at the same time, it's about the saving the planet, and that's very, very important. Yep. And in being so disinterested and doing something over and over again, it's funny how it's basically exactly the same as the story about having like that six-pack chiseled, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it? You want the results, but you can't be asked putting in the effort. Well, here's the thing. Um, all you have to do to basically use the Wistand service, the Wistand website, is go to their site, start a cause, or find one that you care about. I love the I love the words "start a cause" because it's like you know there are a dime a dozen these days, and then donate a set fee that will go towards funding a messenger who is a person to attend that protest on your behalf. And the founder and CEO of Wistand, uh, Gregoire Logier, I think that's how you pronounce his surname, is convinced that his business fulfills a real need and isn't capitalist in any way. Of course it's capitalist. It's making money off the fact that it's like the most weirdly cynical of capitalism. I know. It's, it, it's capitalist anti-capitalism. It's like those um, things where you get, a, I don't know, let's say one of those um, LGBT marches, like gay pride march, and you get like Amazon turning off trying to shell people. Yep. But people are protesting things like Amazon, but Amazon are going to uh, make a quick buck. It's exactly like that, isn't it? Yep, it is. It's exactly like that. It, it's kind of making like people who protest into super hypocrites. I hope it fails. I hope it backfires massively in this guy's face. Oh, I mean, it's going to come to a point if this, if things keep going the way they are, that uh, that the actual true protester, the person, or the true kind of patriot, I'd say, the person who's willing to actually stand up to the government, um, they're going to be like a creature of myth at some point, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Extinction Rebellion. I think I genuinely do respect the hell out of them, and they're like, a, I thought they were a dying breed, people like that. Yeah. Speaking of creatures of myth. The Yeti. Yes. Right. You remember on the last episode we were talking about the Russian Ministry of Defence and their uh, their report about about extrasensory perception and psychic abilities and stuff like yes, that. Yes, my favourite news story of the year. Right. Well, the Indian Army seems to have gotten wind of that and thought, we can go one better. Oh, I don't know. That's a high goal there. You're trying to clear Indian military. Oh, <laughs> Just wait. The Indian Army uh, is being mocked pretty much by the entirety of India 
after recently tweeting that one of its mountaineering teams spotted mysterious monopedal footprints in an isolated mountainous area between Nepal and Tibet. And they tweeted, for the first time, an, uh, an hashtag Indian Army mountaineering expedition team has sighted mysterious footprints of mythical beast Yeti measuring 32 by 15 inches close to Makalu base camp on the 9th of April 2019. So the people who run the, the Indian military are basically conspiracy theory nuts. Well, there are certain reasons why people are mocking the Indian army. Number one, they only found one set of prints, as in one foot. Maybe he stood in like a twig and he was hopping through the forest. It's like, ooh, ah, ooh, and he just started hopping. <laughs> and number two, it's the Yeti. She's just basically a bear, like a tall bear, tall thin bear, or a hairy dude, or the offspring of a hairy dude and a <laughs> tall thin bear. Yeah. I know uh, some of the uh, some of the responses uh, have been things like, "With all due respect, institutions such as yours should be more responsible and careful before going ahead and declaring the sighting of any footprints as yetis." You say what you said. I I had expectations to go somewhere else. I thought the Indian military were turning up animals to have an animal division, and I was all prepared to think this is the most awesome thing I've heard in my life. And then you deprive me of it. <laughs> I was I wanted like a military of made of like animals, like ah. Uh. No, oh, why would you make me think that, Rob? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, whoever heard of a uh, whoever heard of a one-footed Bigfoot? I mean, when they say Bigfoot, they don't just mean it's got one foot and hops. But what else would it be then? I know it's obviously not Bigfoot. Oh, Yeti, sorry, it's obviously not that. It could be anything. It could be a snow leopard wading through deep snow and jumping from one to the other. That's just what I think, anyway, based off the fact that the tracks are fairly evenly spaced. Yeah. Now maybe it's just some kids pranking around with like a big foot on a stick. <laughs> that high up a mountain? I don't know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, kids are bored. Or maybe it's just the Indian Army pranking everybody. It's pretty good PR. I mean, I've never thought about the Indian military before. This is true. This is true. <sighs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Penultimate story. Something that, uh, something for all those students who are revising right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, pot noodle. That bastion of British cuisine. You say bastion. What I think you really mean is toilet water of English cuisine. Yes. Um, Pot Noodle is launching what is what it is calling the world's first revision-powered vending machine. Okay, and what's in... I'm assuming it's Pot Noodles are in that. Yeah, pot there are noodles Pot Noodles in, the in there. Uh, the vending machine is a fr- has a front-facing screen loaded with certified exam board questions which test students on a number of academic fields and dish out general revision tips. Answering questions correctly allows the students to win free food from the machine. That's kind of ransoming our food. Thing is, it's kind of genius at the same time, when you think about it. It's not. Well, no, it is. I mean, if you want students to, to learn properly, if you want them to revise properly, don't feed them, force them to... Well, that's, you're getting into fascist overtones there, Rob. I mean, if people are that hungry and they want something to eat, they'll just go somewhere else. But what if they're, ta- what if they're not allowed to? What if it's illegal? What if it's... Uh, again, if I think in... you're going into fascist overtones again here, Rob. But we may live in Facebook world. We don't, yet. And I think America will be claimed before we are. Or maybe yeah, Canada. Anyway, uh, there is a special golden ticket pot hidden in the machine which will award the lucky recipient with a year's worth of tuition fees. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> 
Is that stereotype still true, though? How do you mean? I mean, once when I was at university, when you were at university, yeah, that was definitely true. I mean, more so when you were at university, I think it was more of a 90s thing, how, you know, student food was just pot noodles, and pot noodles and how seen as good. Well, things but have moved since, on. But since then? Things have moved on a lot. Food, food culture in the UK has become more advanced. Um, I mean, even if, even if you want, like, cup noodles. Yeah, there's so many different selections now. Pot um, noodles, are your last choice? Because I've never had a pot noodle where I think, hmm, that was nice. I think you think, hmm, I'm not hungry anymore. Is that before or after you've eaten it? After. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I'd ever be hungry again after eating it. I think it's <laughs> killed my sense of thirst. Because <laughs> the joke here, um, international listeners, is pot noodles are basically the worst noodles ever. They are. They really, really are. There's nothing good about them. They can make all of the fancy flavours in the world they want, and they really, really try hard to make fancy flavours. They all still taste like sort of the water that you get out the bottom of the dish cleaner. Yes. And they also have the nutritional value of a McDonald's hamburger. Yeah, I mean, personally, I just have like a bowl of cereal. If yep. everyone's, you know, desperate for some food, yep. it's quick and easy and it'll have more nutritional value if you pick the right one. But yeah, this is just a ridiculous story. I mean, it's the fact that Zeppot Noodle are really overestimating their importance. I know. And bless them for doing that. But no, I mean, there's a very small group of people who think, mm, I'm hungry, I'm going to get a pot noodle. Yep. And that group isn't students anymore. It's the sort of people who drink carling, not profiling or anything. It's just, I've seen it with my eyes. <laughs> so I'm have like, I. I I'm, not, I'm not saying anything to dis... To, go against what you're saying because i actually have seen it myself and also been that myself don't ask it was yeah. a long it was a long dark period during the 90s yeah exactly like you said in the 90s a long time ago things changed so much <laughs> exactly anyway 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 final story and this and i know that it's been a bit of an odd show as it always is but this has to be one of my favorite stories of 2019 so far well better than the russian military Yes. Ooh. Well, I'd say it's kind of on that level. Right? The stakes are high, yeah. The stakes are very high. Finland. So it's already started promising. I like Finland. Yeah, that's good. Finland has two things that it's... Well, it's got several things it's very famous for, but two of them in particular, right? Two of them in particular. And Finnish marketing agency Tavari teamed up with uh, the uh, Joensu City Cultural Services and the Joensu Conservatory in order to bring together two of the most popular things in Finland. And those two popular things are heavy metal in Finland. There are over 50 heavy metal bands per 100,000 Finnish citizens. Yes, I knew that. Yep. But one of the other and slightly less well-known favourite pastimes of Finland, and there are hundreds of thousands of people in the population of around 5.5 million who practice this particular craft of knitting. Heavy metal knitting. Yep. And so, the Finnish marketing agency Tovari, with the Joensu City Cultural Services and Joensu Conservatory, brainstormed and came up with a way of combining the two in the world's first ever heavy metal knitting championship. What does that even look like? (laughs) Well... If you want to find out, I can share it with you so you can see. Uh, I think you have to. We even have a sort of reference point here. Because there is a video on that page. 
Stupid wireless mouse. Yeah. I think once you watch then, the video, you'll understand why I put it uh, put it on the same level as the Russian story. Anyway, got a video here. So it opens with a, a woman just sat in a rocking chair knitting. So far, so good. Nothing, nothing wrong there. She looks at the camera. She's saying something. And in comes a metal band. <laughs> we know the metal because they're wearing black and they've got tattoos. They exchange a look. They all look kind of distant. There's some clouds and lightning bolts. Is this something else? Is this something else again? They're pointing. There's pointing. And then there do. Hang on. Hang on. What? <laughs> Hang on. Is she sort of moshing while knitting at the same time? Yes. When I say moshing, it's kind of throwing her arms around a little bit, and nodding her head a bit. That's. How can you have a metal? How can you have a world championships in that? It didn't exist until they said it existed. Usually for a world championship to exist, it has to have some sort of number of people doing it. This is odd. <laughs> how they even came up with that concept of... How, how have the worded it? Uh, knitting to the rhythm of heavy metal music can be compared to playing air guitar, which is as Finnish a way to goof around as well. Yep. In heavy metal knitting, the knitter becomes part of the band showing the best needlework tricks at the, as the heavy riffs echo in the background. The knitter takes part in their jam where the balls of yarn and knitting needles swish through the air. <laughs> um, I don't really know how to react to that. I mean, I'd like to see it. I mean, I think one song would be enough, frankly. Well, there is actually only one song. Um, if you uh, the art, the article does state the uh, people who are interested, knitting enthusiasts who want to take part in the world's first heavy metal knitting championship have to download the song Fight or Die by the Joensu heavy metal band Maniac Abductor and upload a one-minute clip of themselves knitting to it to YouTube. This guarantees them a spot in the event's semi-final, and while it's not clear how applicants make it to the live final on the 11th of July 2019, you basically it's basically got to be something like a Britain's Got Talent or something like that, I reckon. Oh my yeah, God, Simon Cowell. I mean, this, this is marketing genius, don't get me wrong. Can you imagine Simon Cowell? They invite Simon Cowell to the world's first heavy metal knitting championship. No, because it's Simon Cowell, and he should be consigned to my basement with the with the, the sun with the really hot lights in that I was keeping you in previously. But like, lose the lock and throw away the key. Oh, I don't like him. <laughs> I know, I know. But heavy metal knitting. What do you think? Marketing genius. It is, isn't it? I hope it's like I don't want it to happen again because I think it kind of it's it's a gag, isn't it? Really, and if you repeat it year on year, it just kind of becomes a thing. And I don't think heavy metal knitting can become a thing because you know it, it's two very, 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 very different worlds. Yeah, but this is I have to point out this is Finland we're talking about. Even so, even so, very different. I mean, even looking at the video they use for the marketing, none of them are wearing knitted goods. It's it's all sort of like polyester and leather and, and metal. You don't see metal bands wearing woolly jumpers, do you? No, but I really want to now. <laughs> I really want them wearing like jubble tops and woolly jumpers and stuff like that. I mean, by all means, I'd love to see a, a metal band wearing a turtleneck <laughs> and sort of just dressed in like craft work. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a leap too far. I absolutely love that this exists, but it's a bit nutty to be repeated. Yeah. And I think 
I think that I realise as well because they've not said uh, heavy metal knitting world championships 2019. They've just called it the heavy metal knitting world championships. That's it. I don't think they've had any sort of illusions that it's going to be a long-lasting thing. And does that mean whoever wins is going to be the heavy metal knitting world champion of all time? It is, yeah. <laughs> Until somebody comes from an alternate reality or an alien planet to challenge their, their heavy metal knitting prowess. Oh, God. That's a movie waiting to happen, isn't it? Uh, also, world championships? I think universe championships. Nobody else does this group. <laughs> <laughs> and I always disappointed how Miss Universe is always human. Yeah, that's a point. I don't think they put out the feelers to other planets, did they? That's biased. That's not representing the universe. No, it's not. It absolutely isn't. Right, on that on that note, we are at the end of the show, so we're going to leave you for this uh, for this episode. Yes, and just think of all the, the sad aardvarks out there. <laughs> um, okay, right. Damn you, I'm not going to get that image out of my head now. <laughs> um so thank you very much for listening if you enjoyed the show share it with your friends um give us a rating and review on itunes because that helps the wider world see us um or you can head over to patreon.com um well uh, patreon.com forward slash the geek show where we are in the process of brainstorming a patreon exclusive podcast um, which would be one of the goals, but at the moment, as we speak, all we really ask for, the only target on Geek, on um, the channel that we have, on the Patreon that we have is, do you like us? Send us whatever you can afford, just to say thank you, just as a mark of appreciation. Um, you can also find that, a link to that on thegeekshow.co.uk on the right-hand side of the homepage. But until next time, thank you very much for listening to Sad Advice. I have been Rob. And I have been Sweaty Jessup. Yes, he has. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.